Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. Today's message was recorded live at the 2019 Paramount Harvesters Conference in Carson, California. This year's theme was Bridge. Pastor Omar's heart for this year's conference was centered around bridging the divide between generations, that the message of Jesus would be passed on from one generation to the next. We hope you enjoy this message. Can you guys just take a moment to uh, see what's going on here? Matching here. <laughs> I don't know who bought the shirt first or like how that works out, but um, <laughs> come on, let's give Jesus some praise right now for what he's doing. What he's done, man, and what he's going to do through this conference, it's a privilege for me to be here tonight. As Pastor Omar said, it's been about 14 years that I've been coming to these conferences. And I'm telling you, man, from the bottom of my heart, it's a privilege to be able to speak with you guys tonight. Amen. So before I even get uh, go any further, I just want to give, I know he, he kind of gave me an intro, but I want to give him a shout out. Pastor Omar has come through with a book, y'all. His, it's a privilege, man, to be, able to, to be able to have the inside of what 30 years of ministry looks like. So I encourage you guys, pick up this book. It's right out there. It's only 12 bucks. Pick it up. Don't miss out on what God is going to speak to you through this book. All right, y'all? Come on. But it is a privilege uh, not just for me to be here, but um, also for you because you're going to hear me speak. Now, um, but it's a privilege because you guys belong to a fellowship that believes in you. You belong to a fellowship that believes that you have a calling worth investing in, worth putting on this crazy conference to tell you that you have purpose even if you don't even believe it yourself. It's a privilege to be a part of this fellowship and even more to be a part of whatever church plant that you're in tonight. Come on, can you give a hand to your pastors? It's a privilege to, be, to have a pastor that cares about you. It's a privilege to, be, to have a pastor that would uproot his family to, to go and launch out of his own church and, and pay the price for that, the loneliness that comes with leading and, and being involved and so you could come to know Jesus. What a privilege. And then even more so a privilege, y'all, to, to, to be in the presence of God this, this evening. What a privilege. Doesn't the Bible teach us that he loved us first? And I don't know what, what background you come from, but man, to me, this is all a privilege. The fellowship the pastors, the, the presence of God. So can you do me a favor? Can you turn to your neighbor and tell them, check your privilege? <laughs> tell them to check your privilege because you know what? I don't want y'all to, I don't want anybody to miss out on what God's got for you this week. God's got some amazing stuff for you and I don't want you to take for granted everything that God's going to speak to you about. So can we do something? Can we do what I call an implementation and intention? It's where you verbalize your intention and what it does, it actually increases your chances. You guys like that? My thumb it increases. I'll tell you the story later. So it increases the chances of you actually accomplishing what you're, what you're trying to verbalize here. So, so can you do me a favor? Can you repeat after me? Can you guys do this when me? Say this. Say, um, this week... I will attend as many services as humanly possible. I will lean into every message that God has for my life. So he could bridge purpose in my life, through my life, beyond my life. Come on, let's give him a hand. I'm a I'm going to pray really quick. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word that is, that, that is going to be preached not only today, but for the rest of the week. We believe that you're present. We believe that you're with us and that you, Lord God, are, have started a work, Lord Jesus. Even for the person that's in the back or just didn't even want to be here tonight. 
You started a work, and we believe that you're going to finish it, and you're going to bridge purpose and power through this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so let me just get started here with a little boastimony. I have a beautiful family. I don't know if you guys know that already. Uh, my wife is, 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 she's amazing. Like she's just, she's beautiful inside and out. Like she, she, she's such a giver. She takes care of me. She takes care of all of her boys. She puts herself last. And I'm just so thankful for my beautiful wife. Amen. She has spawned for me three insanely beautiful children. Like, they're just, the, they're just awesome, but they're crazy. Like, the little one, he's so loud and rowdy. I'm a little scared of him, kind of. Um, but we actually have a routine for all the boys. We, we have a routine for them. Basically, when they go to bed, we, we have them brush their teeth. We have them get in their PJs, get in bed, and, and we pray for them. And what, what's interesting, though, is after I pray for them, I ask them a question. I ask them, what do you believe? What do we believe? And immediately they start shouting all the Bible verses that I've been teaching them. They start shouting, nothing is impossible with God. They just go nuts, man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And they just, they just, they're boys. They're boys. But the other night, uh, I, 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 once I asked him that question about the Holy Ghost, ask me a question. You know how that happens, right? Um, and, and he goes, why do you believe that? And I was like, day, that's, wow, that's pretty deep. That's theological. That's like timeless, philosophical. Like that's just, ins- that's heavy, right? So what I did is I asked my kids that. I was like, hey, what do you believe? Like, why do you believe it? And you know what they said? Nothing, because they're five and three. So I don't know what you expected on that. Um, but it was when they didn't say anything, kind of like dawned on me, that there's a difference between what you believe and why you believe it. That the, that the source of, uh, of your drive and motivation and inspiration doesn't come from your what. It comes from your why. Right? Uh, Craig Rochelle, I don't know if you guys listen to his leadership podcast, but he says that, that basically people will work for a what, but they'll give their lives for a why. They'll give their lives for why. Like for me, I'm a project manager in HR. That's what I do. But why I work overtime and do all that stuff is because I get paid a salary and benefits for my family. That's why I do it. I'm a pastor. It's what I do. But it's not why I do it. I do it because I want to honor Jesus and see people be come to know Jesus, right? So there's a difference between knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Simon Sinek, the TED Talk guy, if you guys see him all the time on, on, on YouTube, he says that people and leaders should start with the why. And so tonight, as the, in the, as the opener, I want to start with the why. I want to convince you, if you're a new believer, why you should burn your bridges to the world and start building a bridge in Christ. I, I want to teach you why. If you're, if you're a disciple, you're on the edge of quitting and, and throwing in the towel and saying it's not worth it. I want to teach you why. We want to convince you why you should continue on the bridge of discipleship because there's just a reward right around the corner. We want to talk about why this evening because the truth is a bridge is the what, not the why. If you think about that, I mean, just go through all the, the, all the cool types of bridges. We got, uh, can you put up these pictures here? We got the London Bridge. You, you, you have the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, the San Francisco uh, Bay Bridge, and, the, and the, um, the Golden Gate Bridge. You have the Pasadena, Colorado Street Bridge. Come on, what's up, my Pasadena people? You also have the San Pedro, Vincent Thomas Bridge, my Pedro people. <laughs> so, I think I just saw someone throwing gang signs at me right there. (laughs) 
you have these, these, these famous bridges and all the types of bridges, the causeways, the suspension bridges, the, the arch bridges, even like your plain old, like, the, can you show the gift where like pieces of wood fall across a gap and like those type of bridges? Um, <laughs> like the bridge is the what, right? The bridge is the what, but it's not the why. The reason why all bridges are made, the reason why all bridges exist are because gaps exist, because gaps exist. The reason why bridges are engineered and poured money into is so that people could cross over a gap. There's this, uh, there's this highway, La Midienne, in, in France that goes literally from the north of France all the way to the south of France. But what happens is it's like a straight shot, but it actually gets diverted into a small town called Milau. And what happens is that it, because of that, because of that, that there's like a gap in the middle, there's like a, a, a huge gap, and it gets diverted into another city nearby. And what happens is it's like Carmageddon. In that city, there's just tons and tons and tons of traffic. So the mayor, he's all, he's all mad that he moved from L.A. to France because of traffic, and now there's more traffic in France. He, he says, let's invest into a bridge because of this gap. They poured like 500 mil. 500 mil. You guys have, you got, is, I first started, is that a lot of money? I'm like, well, I don't even have one mil. So yeah, it, it, is, a mil, it is a lot. He poured a lot, and it's, it's right now, it's the highest standing bridge, and they did it because of a gap. All bridges are built and exist because gaps. And because of that, I just want to communicate to you tonight why you should be building a bridge, and it's because of gaps. And every believer faces, I believe, four gaps. Four gaps, you guys. Four gaps that every believer faces. Number one, you guys, the gap before you. There's a gap before every single person. It's the gap of salvation. That when you die, you're either going to be in the presence of God, eternally with him, or eternally separated from him in torment. This is my first point. And what causes it is sin. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 two, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen to you anymore. That's what sin does. It causes this eternal gap between us being with God or not. You'll be in forever peace or forever torment. But it's crazy because like, that seems like a really far away kind of concept. It, it, it kind of is. And, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to understand that like, Eternity isn't like at the end of your life, but it's like right next to your life that at any moment you could go over. It's really hard to, to like get that. But what I love about this verse, it kind of it paints a picture about, about who the Lord is. That he actually is leaning into you right now. Like his initial position is to lean into you. His initial position is to have an ear open to hear you. Now, the present gap occurs when we sin when we live a lifestyle of sin, whether it's open and blatant or whether you're in the church and you're hiding it, that lifestyle of sin will actually cut you off from the presence, the power, the goodness, and all his mercy and everything that he is right now. So it's, yeah, it is eternal, but it also there's a present gap that every single one of us face by giving into sin and not burning that bridge to the world into sin. When I cut my finger, you guys, so here's, here's, a, here's a, little, a little joke really quick. Give me a thumbs up if you're actually enjoying this conference so far. Come on. If you didn't laugh, there you go. Boom, that's for you. <laughs> 
But when I caught my finger there, it was on Friday, uh, two minutes, I, I, I just drove to, to Kaiser right down the street. Two minute, five minutes later, they checked me in. Ten minutes later, they had me up there in the nurse's room already. And then uh, another ten minutes later, they came to check it out. And then uh, 15 minutes later, they began to prep the, 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 um, the stitches. And after the stitches, it only took like 20 minutes for them to do it. And um, after that, about ten minutes, I went over to, uh, to the pharmacy, and I was out like in about half an, an hour and a half. It was like, how, how, like, man, what a blessing that, like, I literally gouged my finger, and I got to see all the insides, and I was, I got, I kind of got freaked out. I turned it over. I was like, I'm not going to pass out today. No, like, uh, that's not happening, and uh, I got a little nervous, uh, but it was just, man, what a blessing that I have access now to healers, to, to, to resources that will patch up my gaps where I'm bleeding out. And when you think about what sin does, what sin does, it actually separates you from the healer. It separates you from his power, his presence, his goodness, and what he wants to mend in your life right now. Right now. Yeah, it, there's eternity, and then you got to worry about that. But right now, if you're living a life of sin, and you're just squirming in your chair right now because you're just, you've been hiding, and you've just been dealing with it, and you haven't been repented, you haven't repented in believing, man, I'm telling you, you're missing out on the healer, you're missing out on his resources that just wants to see you mended. I'm telling you, you might be bleeding out in your family and you're dysfunction in your family, but you haven't relinquished your sin because you're just holding on to it and God has not yet begun to mend it and you're wondering why. Perhaps it's because you haven't relinquished your sin. Your marriage is bleeding out. There's gaps in your marriage. There's gaps in your finances. There's gaps in your sexuality. There's gaps in your, in your, your anxiety. And you have not yet to relinquish sin. And that's just keeping you from knowing the Father's healing hand. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.13 that Jesus was our bridge. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away, that access to his healing hand was far away. But, you, but now you've been brought near through the blood of Christ. I'm telling you, the blood is the bridge to that healing. The blood is the bridge to salvation. That's the first gap you got to worry about. Number two, the gap between you. The gap, the gap between you and your max potential. Between you and your max potential. That first one, the gap before you, is based around this idea of being justified. That when you come to know Christ, you repent and believe, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that you exchange your sin and your judgment for his righteousness. You're justified. But let me tell you, that's not where it's supposed to stop. It's supposed to continue in this process called sanctification. Sanctification. And it's the process to progress. Where you get saved, and as, as Pastor Eddie said, man, you, you start in one place, but God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to journey with you and build you up to become this masterpiece, this wonderful masterpiece. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new nature created to be like God, to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We're talking about you going from your old to a new. So it's like this journey. It's this process. What I like about history and, and, and the history of bridges is that, man, you, you can look at it. You can see how cool it was that the Romans built these arch bridges. How tight is that? Like if I ever went over there, man, that would be so sweet. They didn't even use like mortar to like stick these bridges, these, the, the, all the rocks and stuff together. They just used science. Like, I, man, that's, that's amazing. They used math to put it all together and, and engineer. I'm like, man, that is amazing. And, and it's so cool that we have that as history, that they had smart people even way back when. <laughs> but I'm thankful that we didn't stop there. 
that you could go to San Francisco and see the Golden Gate Bridge and be like, dude, that is amazing. Look at the, the it's like a, 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 a magnificent wonder, like engineering wonder. Like, how do they even do that? Like, how, how, how? When I, I remember driving to Pastor Hector's house, like for the first time and going over the San Pedro Bridge, I'm like, I am so terrified right now because how high I am. I'm just freaked out. How is this possible? Why would anybody do this? Um, but it's just like, man, the, the tech that they built on, they built and, and they stacked the tech from year from, from the very beginning the, with the, the Roman archways all the way to now, man, they stacked the tech. And I'm telling you, for you to get to your final destination, for you to get to where God wants you to get to, what you need to do is start stacking the lessons that God is trying to teach you right now. You need to start stacking and stop playing around because if you stay stuck in that lesson, guess what? That's where you stop. That's where you stop. If you're not learning the lessons that you should stop, that you should, right now is not the season for you to be in a relationship, guess what? You're just going to be, oh, this is the one. Oh, yeah. And guess what? Guess what? Guess where you're going to be? You're going to be right back at the altar when you should be up here. Come on, like, you need to start stacking the lessons that God wants, that he's trying to teach you right now. Stop pushing away your pastor. Stop pushing away those leaders. All they want, they're on your side. Was that a good mic drop opportunity for all you pastors right there? I want to give you guys mics so you could just do it with me, amen. (laughs) But you know what's insane? That there was probably nothing new about those, the bridges and the math in between. Like, math is the same. My father used to say math is a, a, a universal language and literally nothing changes. One plus one is two. So you guys are confused about that? I heard someone like string it out to 21. <laughs> What's nine plus 10? 21. Amen. Um, I think when people leave churches for like a new revelation, you know how silly that is to me? You know how silly that is? Because you're just going to be in the same, you're not going to grow because God's trying to teach you a lesson right where you're at. You want to get to your max potential? Man, start stacking those lessons. Amen. The third one is the gap beyond you. The gap beyond you. This is the gap that is literally beyond you. This isn't anything that you're dealing with. This is the gap that others are dealing with. Doesn't Paul say in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, what does he say? I put it in the, old, the, the, the King James Version, the legit version. <laughs> the only version I read from. Some of you guys. <laughs> do, I mean, do we have any of those types of people in here? It says this, be ye follower. <laughs> Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, right? So Paul's concerned about his walk with God, his personal pursuit of knowing Jesus. But guess what? He's also concerned about the gap that others are facing. This is a third gap that, as a believer, you should be concerned about. Not just, for, not just the gap before you, not just the gap so God could bless you and get to you to your final Final destination, but we're talking about the gap that others are facing. The gap that others are facing. And what's interesting that not everybody is concerned with this gap. 
I just just yesterday I, I went to go get a haircut and um the guy the guy he's a barber in Downey. I want to give him a shout out Downey Barber Shop. Uh, awesome guy, Christian guy. Go support him. They just raised his rent. I don't know if I'm spilling too much. Go su- <laughs> spilling too much. Me. Go support the man. He's awesome. His name is Eric. Uh, he started telling me at his church. Um, someone knows him right in this place. Uh, he started telling me, he's like, man, I went to, he went to the church the other day, and, and he's like, man, I love how you can just, like, talk to anybody about the Lord, because I do that when I go there. I just minister to people just, just because out of conversation. And he's like, man, I just love how you do that. And he's like, man, not everybody does that. He said that at his church that, um, that they had the preacher, everybody bow their heads. He they had him do that. He says, if you shared the gospel in the last year, I want you to raise your hand. He said only 10 people raise their hand. He says, okay, if you did in the last six months, only, like, four people raise their hand. And I was like, dude, unfortunately, we're in America. I was like, do you know your neighbors? Do you ever hang out with your neighbors? Is that our culture? It's so sad if that's the church culture too, though. Right? Like, we don't care about the, the next person. What you should be concerned about as a believer is the gap beyond you. You could look through the... the, the the Bible, there's this, this illustration that Jesus paints. It's about this guy named uh, Lazarus and the rich man. You guys know the story. Uh, for the time's sake, I'm just not going to read through the whole. I'm just kind of let you guys know what it is. Basically, two guys, they lived different lives. One guy lived lavish life. Even though he was a son, he didn't practice. A, a son of the faith, a, a, a descendant of Abraham, he didn't practice the word. He didn't, like, express faith. Uh, one of the guys, name was Lazarus. And even though he didn't do anything, his identity meant God is my help. So they both ended up in two different locations. One guy landed it into uh, torment. That was the rich man. The other guy landed in, in blessing in, in Abraham's bosom. So they landed, they both landed in two, two separate locations, right? Uh, but what happens is uh, the rich guy, he's all, he's all mad because he can't get any kind of relief. And then, and then he's asking Abraham, have him come and, and dip, dip his finger and bring relief to my life. And what I find is interesting is that uh, once he tells him, there's no way, we can't do it. You just, it's not going to happen. He actually, the next question he asks is like, well, what about my family? Can, can, can we go back and, 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 and at least, can you go back and, and, and minister to my family? And you know what the problem with that is? You can't build a bridge when you're dead. The time for you to start being an example of Christ is right now. The time for you to start, to, to start being an example for others and, and leave the American lifestyle behind and reach out beyond yourself, even if you feel you're uncouth in, in ministering, you don't even know what to say, how to even say it. Man, when people are talking about the weekend, say, I, I don't party. Well, why don't you party? Well, let me tell you, break out your huge Bible. And you just break it out. You just do that. Like, if that's your style, I don't know. Do, do whatever you got to do so you can reach out and minister to others. Because right now is the only time that you have. There's no building bridges when you're dead. But what's, it's crazy because this guy, the rich guy, uh, he gets a response from, from, from Abraham. He's like, no, this is not going to work because they don't, they're not even going to listen anyways. And the guy, I, man, the guy seems like in so much peril because he's almost certain that his family's going to follow him. So you're either building a bridge to peace and to knowing Christ, whether you know it or not, or you're building a bridge to nowhere. He's certain, he's positive that his family's going to follow his footsteps. In, in the Azusa Mountains, there's actually a bridge there. It's called the Bridge to Nowhere. Have you, guys, have you guys done it before? The Bridge to Nowhere, it's pretty cool. I've never done it, just seen it on pictures. Because it's like, there's no payoff. You just go and there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a mountain, and then that's it. You've got to walk five hours back. It's dumb, like who does that? 
And um, that bridge was actually intended to be, to, to be a road through the mountain to get people from one side to the other. But you know what happened? There was like a huge flood and the money that they invested, they just gave up on the project. Some of you guys, God's been working. God's been doing some stuff. God's been hustling in your life and you've been, you've been doing it too. And so far up to now, you just know, pastor, I'm with you. But guess what happens sometimes? The floods rise, don't they? Things get difficult, don't they? And then sometimes you just abandon the project that God is doing in your life and your life becomes a bridge to nowhere. Instead of being the bridge so someone can go from one side to the other in their faith, your life is now a bridge to nowhere. But you know what's crazy? In the same area, there's actually these people called the San Gabriel Bridge Mountain Builders, where one place, where one group of people abandoned a bridge, there's this group called the San Gabriel Mountain uh, Bridge Builders, and right now, despite what has been stopped, despite whatever work has been stopped on, on the, the bridge to nowhere, they're out there building bridges for people over different river, rivers, gaps, and, 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 and trenches. They're out there right now spending their own free time to build those bridges. And you know what I'm about to tell you? That basically, if you give up on your bridge building, guess what? God's going to raise up someone else to come and do that bridge building right where you should have been. Come on. And then finally, you guys, the bridge, or not the bridge, I'm sorry. I'm getting excited here. Can I take some water? Man, can I give a shout? Can I think I got some time. So can I do some shout outs? Is that cool? I want to give a shout out to my pastor, Pastor Mike and Sister Abby. What, what do you got to say? What, what else can we say, man? Amazing, amazing pastors. Can I give a shout out, Pastor Omar? Can you guys just, again, sheesh. And all the team that is behind the scenes, all the children workers that are just out there killing it, building bridges for you guys as kids. And man, I'm hustling, man. I love it. And finally, you guys, this is the, the gap behind us. There's a gap that everybody faces that's behind you. And this is the generational gap. That everybody has a generation that follows them. The Bible says here in um, Judges chapter 2 verse 10. It says that, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. This is talking about the Joshua generation that came after Moses. And after they did all their exploits for the Lord, they actually all passed on and went on to be be with the Lord and buried with their forefathers, right? And then it goes on to say, and there arose another generation after them that what? That did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And what happens after, you can read the rest of the, the chapter, it's pretty cool, uh, that, that because of this, because they, they, they just didn't know the Lord, they didn't know his work, or how that work was connected to his people, they actually got plundered. They lost everything. They lost everything that the first two generations had worked so hard for. They lost it, just squandered it. And this is actually like a thing, like a, like a financial thing. Like, it's a thing. Like, storming Area 51, like, that's a thing, and you don't believe that? Like, that's, this is a thing. It's called, like, when I first heard storming Area 51, you're, what? Count me in. <laughs> Riding out with a spaceship, you know, from Halo. That's right. Um, it's actually called wealth attrition. You guys know what that is? It's actually summed up in this saying, this old adage, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. 
If you've never heard of that, don't feel bad. I've never heard of it. It just means that you don't have any wealth to transfer. <laughs> Basically, it means you know, these, these rich and wealthy people, they actually face this problem. That basically, they have so much money, you know, they, they, they've worked so hard, just like Moses, what Moses did in his generation, they, they got out of slavery, and they worked so hard to do that, and then they, man, they, they went through so much stuff, and then they, they reached a, a kind of like a limit, and then the second generation, Joshua generation, came through, and was like, you know what, we see how hard they worked, we see how difficult it was for them, we're going to honor that, and we're going to go forward, and we're going we're gonna to use their lives as a platform to go into another level, right? That's what happens, and, and, and the third generation, generation actually grows up with zero conflict. The third generation grows up with just like, just completely affluent and no issues, first world problems. My iPhone's not charging enough, fast enough. And um, this is the thing, like within three generations, you'll go from, you'll go from just being a slave to a slave. All, those, all the wealth that was generated and, and, and developed and pursuing the American dream will just be lost, gone. There's actually a 90% strike rate for this. 90% of all family wealth, like huge wealth, will actually follow this rule. 90% of all family wealth will just be gone. Either their, their, their money will just dissipate or their business will be sold off. And when I think about the kingdom... When I think about what God's doing here in Praise Chapel, Paramount Fellowship, and I think of all the, the valuables that are here, man, all the, the ministry that we're doing, not, not that this is like super valuable, but like what we're doing is so valuable, right? According to this rule, in three generations, this is probably going to die out. It's a 90% chance that this is not going to survive. By the third generation. Isn't that unfortunate? Those are the odds that we're standing up against as a church. Those are the odds that we're facing. And when you look at these guys, I, I, I think it's interesting that they lost all the valuables, right? They had the, they had the ark, they had the, the, the tablets, all these valuables. They had the land that was, that they, all the giants were defeated and run out of that was even prepared for them. They, they just like walked into that, right? And they had that. All of that got stripped for them. All the valuables were lost because what? Their values were lost. It says that they lost, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know his works or how they were, in, how they were involved in those works. And so what happens is all your valuables, all the things that we're working to develop and create here, that it's been 30 years to develop this, this fellowship, it can be gone if we, do, if we lose sight of our values. If we lose sight of what, value, what, what this entire group has been built on. We're talking about the praise chapel values of discipleship, that one life matters. We're talking about, man, life on life and, and, and going from one person to the next. We're talking about church planning. Church planning, even if you don't vibe church planning, man, there are, there's not enough church planners. Consider it. Amen. I don't want to see the, the praise chapel vision of Windbill Send get lost and the valuables that are in that. So I want to share with you guys a couple of things on how to avoid this gap. Number one is prepare for the transfer. I was reading uh, about this, this, this entire process uh, of, of how to prevent uh, wealth attrition. And the first one, they say why people lose this in the third generation is because that third generation is ill-prepared. 
Is that their fault? Nah, it's the sending generation's fault, right? So that's you and me for the next generation. That's you and me having to prepare the next generation for the work of the Lord and teach them about the values that we stand on, right? And it talks about communication is key. That, that a lot of, a lot of these, these wealthy families, and, and, uh, they, they actually have this taboo thing where we don't talk about money. Do you, guys do, do you guys follow that too in your family? You don't talk about money. It's taboo. We don't talk about that. Do we talk about values enough? Do you, do, is in, your mess, in our messages, in your lifestyle, not just in the church, but also at home, do we communicate what we're about and why we do it? This guy Morgan, uh, from Morgan Stanley, he's like a financial wealth management person that helps families. He actually says one of the things that's strung along all the people who actually make it and preserve the wealth is that they communicate why they're wealthy. Why do you have this money? Some people, uh, Pastor Dave told me this, this saying that they're born on third base, or they're, they're born on third base and they think they hit a triple. Some of us, you don't even know why, like all the work that, that took place to get this fellowship to where it's at. And you're just out here just like, I'm gonna, very cool, look at me. And you're just going to step on the platform, not bring honor to the very, pe- the very people who helped build this thing. <laughs> Talk about over-communicate this. Over-communicate why you believe what you believe. In your churches, we, in, in, in uh, Pasadena, like I, think, I don't know if they're tired of it already, but I just keep saying in us, through us, and beyond us. Everything, everything. I put it on everything. I put it on, on, the, on the flyers. I put it on, on, the, on the screens. We put it on everything because I want to over-communicate what we're about. We're about in a service. And if you guys notice, that's what I started with, the implementation plan. Uh, you guys said it. You guys didn't even know. What's up, guys? Communicating my values. <laughs> Low-key. Another thing is Participation. Um, I used to be jealous of my friends when they would tell me they got allowances. Like, dude, that's crazy. You're rich. Like, that's awesome. But a lot of people, what they talk about to help give an allowance to, 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 to these, um, in these wealth management transfer plans, is they, they give them an allowance and they give them something to do. They get, put something in their hand. So they, they actually can learn what it takes to operate at that level. They learn what it takes to operate with these values. Because guess what? They're going to learn how to, how to deal with life either from us, from other people. Because you know what they're teaching in the schools, right? And I think this is another area that, that sometimes the, the church doesn't do so well with is innovation. Um, in, the, in these examples that they give, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. They say that what happens with these families that have wealth and they want to transfer it, a lot of times that the family leaders... They don't, they don't um, agree with or they don't see eye to eye on certain ideas and entrepreneur ideas that the, that the third generation comes up with. So these guys that are entrepreneurs and they carry that DNA, they're just, I want to do this, I want to do this. And then they actually get shut down because they don't like the people at the top don't like their ideas. And what happens is those guys say, okay, well, deuces, I'm going to go somewhere I'm valued. I'm going to go somewhere where I'm, I'm validated. And guess who's stuck in the house? Guess who's left in the house to carry on all the family wealth, all the losers? And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that in order to protect your wealth, and they, they push out all the good ideas, and the only people that are left in, the, in, in their group are the people with no ideas. Have you ever told anybody in your church, 
This is, well, we've always done it like this. Have you afraid of those ideas? Does that challenge? Does that rub you the wrong way? Does that make you feel insignificant? Some people deal with that. But what they're talking about is latching on to those innovations. If you want to preserve your wealth, man, mark those runners. Look at them. Find them. Find them in your church. Find, find those ideas that, that your kids have and, like, bless those ideas when they want to go to youth. Man, don't hold that back from them. Bless them. Get them there. And then the second one, the second uh, gap that, that, that we've got to, to um, I guess, work on on the other side is, is not just the preparing for the transfer, but also receiving the transfer. Um, this is for all the millennials and younger, right? Uh, I will come out and say it. I am a millennial. <laughs> don't, don't throw stones at me. Amen. You know what? I think millennials get a bad rap. Do you have any millennials in the house? Any millennials up here? Millennials get a bad rap. They do. Because it's, it's, it's unfortunate because they forget all the times that you fix the Wi-Fi. Right? They don't know how to send text messages. They're posting stuff, inappropriate stuff on Facebook. And you're there to get their back. Come on. Millennials, we got you. You get all the, you get all, you get knocked for all the, all the, all the times that you messed up on the, on the sound. But guess what? You put, you put someone else who's not a millennial. They'll be like, so this one's for you, millennials. Come on, what's up, guys? But even with that, you guys, there is a responsibility that we have, millennials and younger, to actually prepare to receive. Prepare yourselves to receive a transfer. We're talking about bridging this gap in generations that is beyond you. We're talking about preparing the transfer. 2 Timothy uh, 1.6 says this, For this reason I, reminded you, I remind you to fan into the flame uh, the gift of God which is in you through what? The laying on of my hands. And I think there's a few things that... Oh, wait. I sk- skipped scripture. Oh, no, I didn't. We're, gonna, we're right on point. Uh, amen. Uh, what I see here is that the guy is in proximity to Paul. He's in proximity to Paul's hand, to Paul's influence, to Paul just being able to pour into his life. And what I think, uh, when I think of a millennial, I think of sometimes the, the tendency to just flake. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of like a rap that a lot of us get, that we tra- we're always chasing um, like what feels good. Man, this is not what I want to do. You have a job that pays $45 an hour. You know what? It's not what I want to do. I'm making like 80 Gs. You know what? It's just... This is like tendency to just abandon whatever, whatever like thing just because it doesn't flow your way. And I, and I get that that's a thing. And I, and I get pursuing your dreams and all that. But sometimes like being in church and, and, and staying there and you feel like nothing's happening. You feel like, oh man, my pastor doesn't know anything. Let me tell you, God is preparing a transfer of these values from, from you to them. And you might be in a church. I told Mike I wasn't going to cry. You might be in a church that is like tiny. And you might look at it like, man, I'm not going to get anything. There's not even any girls here. Like, how is this going to even work out? Like, I'm just trying to, even outside, like, God, come on. (laughs) 
like the ladies, there's no guys. You're the only guys that like creepy guy who does like the sides. And he's always looking at you. And he's always going in for the big, the bear hug. Good evening, sister. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it, man. It's, it's tough. You know what Craig Rochelle says about leaders? That they have the opportunity, they have the privilege to see more and before others. And where, where God might have you, he might have you in a place to see more and before others. So you could be in proximity to receive that mantle, in proximity to receive those values. So you could be a bridge to the next generation. And I, th- I think there's this idea of humility as well. When, when someone puts their hand on you, um, do you let anybody put their hands on you? I, this is like a, dude, I, I have I, my space, man. Please, I, I need my space. But being able to yield yourself to somebody, this is how you prepare for a transfer. You yield yourself to that authority. I know that's a problem for a lot of people. I know it is. I know it is not just for the, old, the not just for the millennials, but for for older people. But but if we're trying to bridge to the next generation, man, we've got to yield to authority. Because how are you going to lead if you never learn the principles in following? And lastly, one of the reasons that that you see uh, values lost, especially for the judges' generation, is that the surrounding culture. They thought it was super cool to be involved in the culture, and they started worshiping other gods. And guess what? They lost the values, and they lost the valuables. And for us as believers, us that are preparing to receive a transfer, man, you've got to stick to the culture that you're in. And I mean, you got to at least value why they do what they do. Like when, like I, I, I used to be a complainer of, of like, man, the, the cholo style, like the cholo pre chapel style. Like, that's, that's not me. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Like, that's just not me, you know? And I bet people look, you know, like this. But I think you got you to gotta look at why, right, behind that culture. You at least got to value why. Man, like, they used to be on the streets shooting people, but now they're here in church. There's value there. And, and, and they can use their example to, like, meet other, like, reach other people. And, and I think when you're there, when, when we're all there, like, you don't have to adopt their culture, but at least, like, value it. Now, at least value where they're coming from. When I talk to people about investing Bitcoin, nah, I say stay if I do bonds. Like, okay, I, I get why you would do that, but you're going to miss out on the gains, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, so there's all that. And, and finally, I think there's these strategies that you could look up. There's these strategies that we could go through. And, and, I, and I skipped a, a, a bunch of stuff. But I think at the very end, to be able to transfer this and, and not lose what we have here. Like, I think there's just got to be this reliance on God. I love this. I watched this documentary. Me and my wife did this binge watching of bridge documentaries. And this one stood out, the Milau Viaduct, man. It's so amazing. And um, they, what they did is they built the pillars first. And... Um, after that, they, they, didn't, they didn't do it like a normal one where they airdropped and they, they put the things on top. They actually like stretched from both sides. They made like these super long segments and they actually pushed it all the way across, like from one side to the other, just like inching it, like boom, inching, 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 inching. And they're saying like, dude, we hope our calculations are perfect Like the engine, They're not hoping. They're smart. They did the math. I'd be hoping like, oh, yeah, we did the math. Like, did we, you know, like, 
I don't know, man. Uh, that's how I got through high school. Hook it, like I got I had some smart homies in high school. Amen. That's how I got through high school. Um, but at the very end, the bridge had to be within like inches of each other. It almost had to be perfect. And not about you guys, but people aren't perfect. We could point fingers at this generation for causing the the 2008 uh, market crash, right? That wasn't me. Like that was the millennials, bro. Millennials didn't vote for gay marriage, did we? Huh? Well, that wasn't us. You guys complain about us all we want. <laughs> we didn't do that. We didn't make the hippies. We did. That wasn't us. So, <laughs> but it's like people are imperfect. But there's. It's almost like it's got to be a perfect matchup for this to happen. But how do we do that if we're just imperfect? It's just complete reliance on God. Complete reliance on the Lord. And you know what that looks like right now? It's actually embracing some of this stuff. Not just writing it off like, ah, whatever. Right now you can embrace that word that God spoke to you about the importance of positioning your life to invest into the next generation. Whatever that looks like. I'm not saying you have to go and do children's church. You can if you want, because they need help. (laughs) Evelyn, they need help. And I'm not saying that, like, you're a millennial, you have to abandon yourself and start wearing loose jeans and boots, boots that, are, that are, like, not cool. I, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying embrace what God is speaking to you, but not just tonight. I'm like a mediocre preacher. I'm like about a, like an eight. But this week we got some tens coming through. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's just going to be awesome. Amen. And it's just, it's, I'm saying embrace everything that God's going to speak to you about this week. About investing in your responsibility to bridge to the next generation. Because when you do that, man, there's a blessing and there's like an honor both ways. And it actually goes, it goes into this legacy realm. So I'll close with this, this story. We can have the worship team come up. There's this family called the Roblings. Um, if you guys are history buffs, Pastor Hector probably knows these guys. Uh, the Roblings family. They have a bridge-building legacy. The father, uh, during Civil War times, he started to work on the Ohio Bridge. And what's phenomenal about this is that he finished it. Just It was like he set it off perfect, killed it. It was amazing. And so he's like, man, I'm, I'm pretty tight. I'm pretty good at this. So he's like, I'm going to do it even bigger. I'm gonna, let's go to New York, and let's build the Brooklyn Bridge. So the guy started, he, he, he started small, and he did the Ohio Bridge, and he accomplished it. It was, it was killer. And so he's like, let's do the next one in Brooklyn. But unfortunately, the guy gets an accident, and he dies, and he can't finish the job. You know what's amazing? That his son, his son takes up the charter. He takes up the project, and he finishes it. He finishes what his father started. Where his father had limitations, he picked it up and he finished it. And that bridge is basically the same model. It has the same tech. It has the same principles. It uses pretty much the same materials as the Ohio Bridge, but it's at a greater scale. And that's what we want to do. We want to bridge one generation to the next so the next generation can use our lessons, can use our limitations as a stepping stool to go to higher levels. And you know what's even more fascinating about this story? 
is that, yeah, they, they did that, and that's just amazing in itself. Even the son, what's wild, that the son actually got in a, in a debilitating accident where he, like, he, he had to, he, he got pretty much uh, uh, paralyzed, and he finished the job, like, in the hospital. Like, man, nothing stopped this guy. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. But even more than that, the tech that they developed, they developed this, this, the, 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 um, the spun wire where they, they braid these, these metal wires and they, put, they braid them together and then that's with strings across a bunch of the bridges today. They, that tech was actually used, that tech was actually used in the Washington Bridge. That, tech's, that, that, that tech is used all over the world and it goes beyond them. It goes beyond where they could even see from generation to generation to create passage for others. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. But I love that story because it starts with just one guy. It starts with one guy. And so I want to do an illustration here, you guys. If you guys can please bear with me. I, I, I want to do an illustration. It's going gonna, it's gonna to engage you guys. So could I have Pastor Omar stand up and please face the crowd? So if you're here tonight, whether if you're a pastor or a disciple, and you see Pastor Omar here, and, you, and, you, and you've been directly impacted by his efforts to build a bridge, not only for himself, but to leave a bridge behind. If you've been directly impacted, directly discipled, directly prayed for, hands laid on by Pastor Omar, you wouldn't be walking your calling without him. If that is you, I want you to do me a favor. Could you also stand up? and face the crowd. And so we, we have people all over this place. We have pastors up here from different churches that have been impacted by Pastor Omar. And so I'm gonna ask the question, but I'm gonna ask the question to the people that are now standing up. If you're sitting down and you see anybody standing up, I know it's hard to see them, but I can assure you there's a lot of pastors up here and, and ministry leaders and people, they're all standing. And if you see someone that is standing and they have had a direct impact on your life, they've directly bridged purpose, directly bridged faith, value into your life, could you do me a favor? Could you also stand? Can you begin to look around and see what happens when one person decides to be a bridge in this generation? And what could happen if you begin to build a bridge over these gaps? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.